Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. As, as our guest walks uh, walks out in the virtual universe, Dave, we are back uh, with the boiling <laughs> Here and we're, we're we're live on Zoom. We're actually not live, but we are speaking live. All three of us are live. Um, and uh, Kelly, you, you've you've become a uh, kind of a, a mainstay in the Boiling Point universe. This is something like the twenty eighth time we've had you on now. I think. <laughs> well, I what I feel is that when you fellas aren't able to track down anyone else. Then I get an email from Dave, which is great. So I appreciate that. Thank you. No, no, it's it's that we don't. We've had a lot of really popular guests. No one to date has had a bobblehead. So right. that's something we thought we should celebrate. And maybe you can share because you just you had the, you had the the uh, bobblehead on the screen earlier. Can yeah, we, sure. People want to see this. There he is, right there. See the likeness. <laughs> Looks there just is. like a... you, you shave differently now, um, and your neck's you get your neck's you got a little bigger neck though. Kind of <laughs> um, uh, what's really what's really and, and Kelly's a lawyer um, for those people that don't know, and um, he's actually a bit of a Renaissance man, Greg. He, he I was thinking about this how I would how we could introduce him for, for the for the maybe one or two guests or listeners that haven't actually heard his podcast yet, but he's like an author. He plays in a big band. He's a hockey coach. He's a professor at UNB. He's, um, he, he, he goes out and trains and facilitates, helps people learn about um, respectful workplaces. He comes on podcasts. I mean, um, what do you play? You play a trombone, I believe. That's right. It's, it's the voice of God. The voice of That's God. That's what they call it, yeah. And he's, um, and he's an all-around good guy and a good friend to us. And he also has a really um, interesting profession in the current times. But before we get to that, because we want to talk about that, um, he, he brought up the fact that he was eating steak. Um, <laughs> oh, there, nice background. I like that. <laughs> uh, for people that can't see, he's, he's got a picture of himself a few years back. Uh, with oh. <laughs> um, oh, Greg's. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you change your background? I don't even know. I got to figure that out. That's right. I got it. Um, so, Greg, you don't know this, but um, I spent the night in the hospital. What? Yes, yes, it was. You had um, our baby? Uh, no, it was. It was. It was. And I. And as you know, this is these times you don't want to be in the hospital if you don't have to be. And um, and it's Sunday night. I'm you know having a glass of wine and eating a steak, and it got caught in my esophagus. Oh, the All Blacks, Kelly. This, this sounds like the beginning of a joke. I, I don't, I, I don't no, know if I believe you right now. No, I, well, okay, let me tell you. the. I'll tell you quickly because I don't want to belabor it. Cause, but basically, um, I couldn't dislodge it from my esophagus. Um, three and a half hours in, finally, Mary Ellen says, you got to go to the hospital. Um, so I go to emergency. They, they do all this stuff to try to dislodge it. You drink Coke, you do... And, I, and this is actually a relative, like fairly common thing. I had no knowledge about this. Um, anyways, they couldn't do it in Emerge, so I had to stay in Emerge. There was no one there. But I mean, you know, like every, you're freaked out during COVID to be in the hospital. And then um, I had to see a, a gastrointestinal 
uh, doctor who, who went down and pushed it through into my stomach. What? So, what, did they, what did they use to push it down? I don't know. Some, I don't know. I was so, I, t- I tell you, like, <laughs> I, the vasectomy, Dave? Was, was that? It, was it worse than the vasectomy? Just tell me that. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I don't know. It was, well, you know what was worse uh, or was better about this? Maybe I'll put it that way. Was the fact that like I was out, like they, whatever they gave me, they gave me some miracle drug that I just, I don't even want to know. And I never want to see it again because it, I just, everything disappeared. Everything was happy. And um, when I came to, um, you know, I was in, I was in back in my room and, and I could read it. So it's been sore. So I, anyways, I haven't been, I haven't had much. I think so when Kelly says, yes, Dave, you've gone frozen, buddy. <laughs> uh, welcome to the world of zoom. I just been, That's right. <laughs> okay, Dave, we, we lost you. You turned into a robot. But it's really cool because Kelly and I were able to make assumptions about what you're actually saying. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Did you say, I think they used a knitting needle to push it down. Is that what you said? That's what I heard. <laughs> He's frozen again. Anyhow, as Dave gets unfrozen, Kelly, um, yes. we just had you on the Bowling Point uh, with Dr. Something Dave like that. Yeah. Just recently as well. Um, so... It's really cool to, to have you on. And uh, uh, after Dave unfreezes, I'm sure he's going to jump back into this. But um, you have a specific uh, niche in, in the legal world um, and, uh, you know, really focus at workplace uh, safety and whatnot. To, how, how is this, this crisis impacting the, your clients, if you will? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. And, of course, Greg, so many employers and so many employees are being negatively affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. It's, it's um, you know, obviously such a, a massive impact uh, in the whole society and it's causing so many people distress on such a huge number of levels. And so for, for employers, what's happening is that, um, in, in many instances, employers are stuck in this terrifying position of having to close their businesses as a consequence of a declaration of state of emergency um, by a province, whether it's New Brunswick or any other province in Canada. Um, and, you know, it goes without saying, all of a sudden, your revenue is trickling in or not trickling in at all. Um, and for those employers, they have still this um, staff of people, um, people that have to be paid, but um, people that the employers care about too. So, so for employers, I think it's been a very stressful time. Um, we can understand why it's stressful for so many employees, but it might be the case that we forget on occasion how stressful it is for the employers, right? Mm. Well, I'm like, we're, uh, uh, all three of us have teams that we're responsible for, you know, so uh, 100%, like when this, when the first week uh, went went down, when we realized that this was all real, <laughs> um, I was, I was really nervous. I remember talking to Dave about it. I was just like, I was like, am I going to have to lay people off? What's going on here? But it's really, it, it has been for, you know, for us Canadians, um, a real blessing to be able to have so many supports for business 
I know it's clunky and it's be evolving, but the stress on the top, on a leader, if a leader's stressed, that so easily can trickle down and in negative ways to the bottom. But the fact that we've been able to, I'm speaking for my company specifically, been able to have some of our salaries, uh, you know, uh, some, some help on, on that from the federal government. It's not going to last forever, of course, but that relieved a lot of the stress from my, bur- my, my shoulders right. and that lightness trickled down into the right. team. And the team is just, they're just so on it right now. And it's, uh, it's really kind of interesting, but I can see how it goes the other way as well. And that's probably what you're getting at too is, uh, you know, not everybody has the luxury of, you know, of support. Sure. And there, and there are complications as well, because for some businesses, they have to stay open. They, they can't, you know, they can't uh, close and they can't have their employees working from home. Take, for example, um, uh, services that uh, involve retail, um, retail grocery um, or um, manufacturing, uh, manufacturing of food products, for example. Um, uh, automobile um, repair shops. These are all places that have to stay open, really, if the society is going to have any semblance of, of uh, continuing. And yet, um, those employers are facing the myriad of problems that you would expect, like employees who say, gee, I, I know we're open, but I'm terrified to come to work because I have um, a medical condition. Or a very common issue is I, as the employee, I don't have a medical condition, but my spouse um, has uh, an immune system compromise. And so I'm terrified to come to work. And, and, and then that puts the employer and the employee in a very difficult spot. Uh, am I back, you guys? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I, who knows what was being used on the internet? I'm sure there's a game of some sort. Um, no, I, so on that topic, Kelly, um, I, you know, I, I had texted you something from a, like a, a client that we have these, you know, and there's an interesting kind of wrinkle on this that I wanted to get your perspective on, but just, you know, saying like, can I, a landscaper, can I send two, um, two people in the same truck? Like, what are the rules? And, and for, for the life of him, he couldn't seem to figure it out, you know, for reading everything on, on government sites. And it was just like, you know, what do I do here? So that's the first thing. And I'm wondering what, what's your, you know, what would you advise people um, or, or where would you refer them? That was the first question. And then I got to follow up to that. Sure. Well, the, on that question, I think um, what employers have to do is exactly what all of us have been doing. And that, that is refer to the uh, directives of the um, uh, health medical you know, the medical health people in the province that you're operating in. So each province has issued um, directives in terms of uh, what's a requirement. And on social distancing, yes, that's right. Many employers are having to send uh, employees to work sites in one vehicle, whereas, uh, or sorry, in single vehicles, whereas, um, you know, two months ago, uh, four or five employees might have gone to the site in the same vehicle. And so that's one, uh, that's one requirement. But obviously, there are such strong requirements on um, the hygiene aspects of, uh, of uh, maintaining your workplace now. So um, all of those directives that we see coming from the governments of each province and 
the federal government, those have to be followed by every employer and it's not easy. Yeah. And it seems like it's in some cases it might be a little bit vague because people, you know, things are happening so quickly. It's hard to track. And, and he, he was saying, I'm having trouble. And he was asking other, you know, other businesses, what they were doing that were in similar type situations and trying to cobble together solution and wanting to comply, right? Like really wants to comply. Um, um, but another piece to it, and I was curious about this um, is you know, he said, well, what, you know, maybe let's say you're allowed to, for whatever reason, put people in the same truck and you put a vapor barrier between the two people. And so they keep, you know, they have physical distance, I guess, technically. And, um, and he brought up a really good point, you know, and he said, but like, you know, what are people going to, what if someone sees us driving down uh, with our logo on the side of our truck, two people in the same vehicle, you know, and he was kind of, I think, appropriately concerned about, you know, the, the shaming or the Facebook or the, the blowback that could happen. So there's this other thing that people are thinking about, which is, you know, what's the perception? Do people think we're, we're putting our workers at risk, you know, even if the workers themselves feel comfortable with the situation and they've gone, they've taken all these precautions. So it just seems like there's this whole kind of social justice piece coming to play in, in, in and I'm just wondering, if, have you been hearing that? Have people been asking you and talking to you about that? Like, what's, what's your perspective on that? Well, sure, because um, as we've seen here in our region, there have been a number of cases of severe reaction to uh, perceptions of non-compliance with government directives. Uh, uh, the physical assault that occurred at a, a local post office is one example. But in Newfoundland, we know that there was, um, you know, a series of death threats made over uh, what was perceived as non-compliance with um, the provincial directives there. And that's, you know, that's a circumstance that, excuse me, a circumstance that has been repeating itself across the country. And so, and what do, what, you know, I mean, what is, um, what is some, I mean, is there, I guess part of what I'm thinking is that people should be aware before you make any comments that, that that could come back on you. In other words, there's probably ways you can handle this much more effectively than getting on Facebook. Right. Because first, without knowing the facts of any particular circumstance, um, making comments or derogatory comments, particularly about another person's conduct uh, can easily be defamatory. Um, We don't know frequently what it is that uh, uh, we're saying on social media. Um, We think we know, but we're commenting quite often um, in a bit of an information bubble, aren't we? So I think your point's a really good one, uh, Dave. I think that, um, you know, people have to be extraordinarily cautious in terms of uh, these uh, extreme comments about whether or not someone is complying with the law. or directives uh, concerning uh, COVID-19 that have been issued by a government. Yeah. What are you hearing, Greg? What, do you, what is your sense? I mean, Oh, yeah. I, I just think it's uh, interesting that, you know, Kelly making a point about uh, defamation. Like, I don't even bother scouring through Facebook and whatnot because it just, you, you see that stuff all the time. But um, I did hear of a case recently where, um, a company was 
like you said, allegedly was was blamed for an, an alleged uh, breach of compliance, and um, they were successful in in uh, suing for damages. Uh, right. So I think the consumers, all of us, we should all be very careful and aware. Um, one little post on on Facebook about. Uh, a, a person or a company could land you in some trouble. And that's not about, uh, you know, uh, uh, freedom of speech discussions. It's about right now, everybody's holding on as a thread to keep their businesses alive and their families. And we need to know that there's three sides to every single story, you know, and right. uh, we got to find a little bit of grace, I think, in, uh, in how we judge others. And uh, living by an example is, is the only response I have is you know i'm staying home uh you know my all all my employees are working from home so like we're setting an example and and we're we're complying as you know so that's that's it you know but i know it's not easy for everybody i just saw the craziest craziest thing in the u.s and uh i almost want to show it to you guys but i might get sued for defamation uh from what i say of it but uh it in, in ohio People are uh, protesting in the streets, like thousands of people stuck together protesting to, to get the economy back back going. Then there's this tweet that was going around, and it was right out of Dawn of the Dead. Like the the picture, it was a zombie uh, apocalypse uh, picture, but it was yeah. real, of, uh, of of people that just weren't following the rules at all, and they were like, "Screw this! We're we want to get back to work." And but that tells me that there's a severe lack of education. And that's not necessarily people's fault that they're that, that just information not being relayed to them. But how important is it that we uh, have free flow of communication from our businesses from the top down, um, right. but also from our political leadership? Um, unfortunately for our friends in the U.S., it feels like nobody trusts any source of information. So um, those people in the streets protesting, they've got a point. They want to get back to work they didn't get the memo that being that close together with thousands of people is not going to help. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how that relates to our, what, you, what you're doing. Kelly. But actually, actually I think it's, I think there's a, and Kelly and I talked about this one day a few weeks ago. Um, you know, and I was kind of, cause I was just curious what he was, his thoughts were. Um, but it, you know, and it, like, I think you can find yourself on the wrong side of information sometimes, right. you know? So as an example, um, you know, whatever it was five weeks ago, you know, school was on, there was a message came out from school about, yes, school's still on. Um, and then by that evening, um, school had been canceled, right? And so something happened in those six hours. And then, and then there was a messaging around, you know, not gatherings of more than 150 people. And so you're trying to interpret this. And then it's, you know, Elise had her third birthday and we thought, well, should we do it? Should we not do it? It's small, it's, you know, um, had we done, had we given it three more days, we would absolutely wouldn't have done it. But at the time we said, listen, if you're, you know, if you're, you need to social isolate, please do don't come um, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, someone could have looked at that event, you know, and this is way back in March and, and, you know, basically we, you know, there's a little part of me that was thinking, geez, like what, I don't know what to do here. So, uh, you know, there's, there's gonna be a lot of judgment for people that just don't know what the right thing to do is. Um, and, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about that. And I was, and I was asking you about that, Kelly, and, you know, you, you had a perspective. Yeah, no, I think, I think first to, to Greg's point earlier, it's great that here in Canada, there has been a relatively strong, consistent information provided 
on some fundamental points, uh, one of which is the right that workers have to refuse unsafe work. I think that's, that's a, a communication that we should all take some comfort in. And it goes back to your comment earlier, Dave, about a, a landscaping business. Because before any of the rest of us jump to conclusions as to whether or not that business is complying um, with directives issued by the government, we should recognize that the employees of that business have been exposed to this uh, stream of communication that reinforces their right to refuse unsafe work. Um, and so we can take comfort in that, knowing that those are people who likely have received very clear indications of what their rights are as employees. And, and I think, you know, as you bring up uh, with respect to uh, the evolving information that we that we've been receiving, um, not just as Canadians, but as really a world audience. Um, think about the fact that several weeks ago, uh, uh, medical advisors were telling us that face masks were not really necessary or prudent. And there were reasons for that. Um, but today, uh, we see the opposite. We see medical advisors telling us that really you should wear a face mask. And that's a curiosity in itself, isn't it? But you know, uh, to that though, um, we, all of us, including uh, the, the top leaders are in a world where they've never had experience in before. So things are changing. So sure, a message might be one thing for one week, but then new information and data comes in say, no, no, totally uh, the wrong path. We got to do this. So I used the word grace earlier. We do need a little bit of grace for the leadership. Um, I saw, you know, it's we're starting to see some some nasty rhetoric between some politicians in our country towards our, our top uh, chief medical officer. But uh, things are happening. And then Trump uh, threatening to pull out of uh, the WHO funding. Like um, people are starting to blame, throw blame when there's not enough information for anybody to make you know, exact uh, decisions. Leaders have to have the support of people to make decisions, even if sometimes they're wrong, as long as they continue to iterate and, 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 uh, and respond. I don't know. I, 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 that, that's just a personal peeve of mine that, uh, you know, uh, everybody's casting blame and, I, and I, oh, we should have known better. We should have had this prepared. Well, certainly. Uh, we've never been through this before. It, it feels like, well, it feels like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And Right. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I heard a guy talking, he's an, an epidemiologist, and he was just saying, there's no, this isn't a time to be throwing stones. You know, we can do a postmortem and figure out what went wrong, but right now we need to be work together. Because I, I would think, and I, I'd be curious your opinion, Kelly, I, I say probably 95 or 98% of people want to do the right thing and are trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's the sense that I have uh, anecdotally as well. I think people are trying to uh, do the right thing, but it's not always easy because we've spent a lifetime behaving in a certain way and and then um, to try to correct or to change those behaviors on a dime as a consequence of uh, this pandemic isn't always easy. And an example is I had to go to the grocery store yesterday. Um, and I really hadn't been in the grocery store um, 
since this uh, started in earnest. And so trying to um, navigate the grocery store uh, in ways that were completely contrary to my habits was a bit difficult uh, because every aisle that I wanted to go down, it turned out to have an arrow pointing in the opposite direction. And so, um, and then of course, whenever I encountered somebody, I wasn't really sure how to get past them or whether to get past them. And so, uh, you know, I think for all of us, a bit of understanding is, is required, isn't it? hundred um, percent. So just as we wrap here, Kelly, for, I mean, how do people, I guess we need to know, like people need to know how to get a hold of you and, and to, to learn more about some of your, the work you do. Um, and I just, if you could just quickly, help us understand what what changes are happening in the legal profession and and um i'd be kind of you know i'd be curious about how how maybe you're delivering work differently now and i guess i know it's a big question but you know is if what are you noticing you know how are lawyers responding sure well i think uh lawyers are um like so many other occupations doing work from their homes uh right now in new brunswick the court system is effectively uh closed it's not it's not officially closed and there are, you know, cases proceeding um, in certain circumstances, but for the most part, um, cases that were scheduled to be heard uh, in courts around the province, uh, even today have been um, uh, adjourned indefinitely and will be rescheduled at some, some later date. Um, And in the arbitration world, the labor arbitration world, uh, there is some effort being made to conduct hearings by Zoom. And I can tell you that um, as a bit of an experiment, um, at the University of New Brunswick Law School, we conducted the third year trial practice mock trial, which is a trial that involves nine students participating as lawyers and six witnesses and about a dozen uh, pieces of physical evidence. Uh, with a a judge. Um, We conducted all of that on um, a platform like Zoom. And it was an interesting exercise, but what it demonstrated is that probably that can be an approach used in the future and likely will have to be an approach used in the future. And um, yeah, and it's, well, and actually, it's funny because it segues in. We're going to talk. And you see Sean Ryan pop in the screen. And ironically, Greg, I know Sean from Kelly. Um, so, and Sean's our next our next interview. Um, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about the consulting world and you know how it's how things are evolving to deliver um, services. Um, before we let you go, how do people reach you, Kelly? Well, I'm hoping that they'll be able to reach me most times on the boiling point. <laughs> it seems to be the, a trend I, I see, and it's it, it makes me happy every morning. I wake up thinking maybe today I get to have Kelly on the board. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so if I'm not in Greg Hemming's living room, I'm at Lawson Creamer in St. John on uh, Prince William Street, which not is far from next door to me to Hemming's house. As that's well. right. That's right. We share the same the same uh, uh, men's washroom. You and I. Two highly artistic offices <laughs> sharing the same men's washroom. Yes, oh, I, I we so won't go further on that, Greg. Right Lawsoncreamer.com? That's it. And then, and can right from the site, can you buy the bobbleheads? Uh, well, yes. Um, 
you can if they're not if they're in stock. I can't guarantee it. Uh, but you may want to ask Sean Ryan about his bobblehead, which could look similar to mine. Actually, yes, I was going to say we we got a couple of really uh, handsome bald guys here today. <laughs> One last thing, Kelly. Um, I've been listening to you and Mel's uh, podcast. Why don't you give a little plug for that so how, yeah, how people can listen? Because it's all about getting onto your newsletter, right? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, the legal coaching podcast uh, that is done by Lawson and Creamer is one that um, covers a variety of stories in respect of uh, the law practice. And our most recent episode has to do with common questions that are being asked by employers in the COVID era. Um, we did a short one though too with a couple of third year law students uh, because we were thinking there were probably a lot of university and high school students sitting at home and with time on their hands and we thought you know maybe a good service would be to give them insight into how they can um, find their way into a law school. Right? Cool. Awesome. That's awesome, man. So uh, that's great. So people should take a listen. Uh, I enjoy uh, hearing your voices there as well. I hear your voices everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, good. Great to hey, see listen, you. Hey, listen, thank you, guys. I'll duck out now and say hi to Sean for me. Oh, you can do that right now. He's right beside you in the box, right beside you. <laughs> oh, I don't see him. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go into gallery view. Uh, uh, Sean. Our, our poor listening audience has no idea what we're talking about, but that's all no, good. No, they don't. <laughs> all right, Kelly. We'll see you later, Thanks, man. Sean. See you later, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.